my parents didn't discipline me enough and now that's the reason why my life is the way it is <laughs> that's the not adam me. bowers story uh it's hard to imagine having i mean i did okay actually well i stopped playing video games for a lot like in high school i wasn't really playing video games and in college i like i was like afraid to play video games because it's so addicting um but like you know it's just it, I, I imagine it definitely like has a tangible effect on some a kid's like potential if they because you're just doing it's the, a complete waste of time yeah yeah it's a way it's a huge waste of time yeah so what kind of kids are you gonna raise I'm going to raise the most productive members of society you've ever seen, buddy. Well, you better sell your PlayStation. <laughs> I know. That is, that's going so to be you interesting. Have, so, you're going to have to actually discipline yourself. I have to. I know. I have to like be the kid that I want my kid to be. Yeah. Fucking you have sucks. to be the parent. So. No way. No more I'm weed. Like Peter Pan. No more, vi no more video games. No, I'm going to be like a Peter Pan kind of parent. I'm a little boy forever. Yeah, but you're a parent, so that's not going to work. Isn't Peter Pan like a metaphor for be for parenting or something like that? No. It's not? It's written by a child molester. No way. Of course it is. <laughs> I just felt like saying it like that. Uh, what do you do? What he, kind? Like they, made a, they made a movie about him. Like a lot he of flavors. Just, his, he was molesting children. Finding Neverland? Is that his movie? That's yeah, the movie. That's yeah, it. Johnny Depp. Yeah, he is, he's like, he like rapes multiple children in the movie. It's like, it's okay because it's Victorian England. <laughs> I can't believe that that's what the, the movie studio was saying. They really goofed by saying that it was okay. Well, you know, he's an artist. It's important that he's allowed to live outside the boundaries of yeah. Christian society. He's eccentric. What's um, this dumb writer's name? J.M. Barry. So you're saying the Johnny Depp movie Finding Neverland is about J.M. Barry molesting little kids? It yeah, I mean, cool. I never saw. I never saw it, but yeah, I'm assuming. Um, that's really... look, listen to this. Listen to this. The story focuses on Scottish writer J.M. Barry. And his close, his, uh, wait, first his platonic relationship with Sylvia Lewin Davies and his close friendship with her sons named Jack, George, Peter, and Michael, close. who inspired the classic play Peter Pan or the boy who never grew up. Oh, it's based on a play. I thought it was a novel. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a play first then a novel. Okay. That makes sense. Well, like, I think it was a big play because they did the fly, like the having somebody on a wire thing. And so it like that put asses in the seats just being able to see somebody fly around on a wire that was like the first theater play where somebody was flying i guess i have no idea i doubt that um i'm sure magicians and lots of other people were doing plays oh with people on strings you always, you always bring it back to magicians it's probably the first play to have a guy on a string I'm just just guessing, just spitballing, but I'd put my money on that. That's why it became a big thing. You know what I mean? Like, that's why it was. That's why it's a big hit because it's the first one to ever have a guy on a string, and he's flying around, and it's wonderful. Yeah, people in Victorian England were like, "Hey, you want to go see the the play with a guy flying on a string?" 
I've heard it's the hot fly on a string is a hot new thing. Hey, you want to see that new play about the child molester who floats around on a string? <laughs> Floating around molesting children. That should be what Peter Pan is about. I what? like uh, a lot of visual effects when I watch my story about child molesters. Yeah. Um, it would be cool if they if the guy who made Finding Neverland like covertly made it about that. I never have heard this about Jam Barry. Well, there was a lot of press about it when that movie came out. Oh, really? Damn. Were they like, was it like, this is crazy because Jam Barry's a child molester? Why are we making this like magical movie about him with kids? No, they were all like, this is really cool. <laughs> oh, the art, a lot of articles came out on the pro side? Yeah. That's cool. Hey, I want to see a visual effects film about a child molester going around the world helping all the little kids. Yeah. For one night every year, he go visits every child in the world and molests them. It's cool because he has a superpower where he can pop into any child's bedroom. Yeah. Just magically appears. I, I these All these Santa movies have got me thinking about how weird it is that there's this like Christmas tradition involving sitting on an old stranger's lap. Isn't that weird? Who, did, who would think of such a thing? Look, he's not giving the presents out for free. Right. You know, That's he wants something payment. in return. Yeah. He gets to smell your kid's hair. Yeah, he gets to like diddle them. Yeah. He's That's just... why he wears velvet pants because he his rock hard boner yeah. is, is tenting out the top <laughs> of the lump. And all the little kids get to writhe upon it. <laughs> um yeah, I have a one of my the most magical memories of my childhood was riding on Santa's pants tent at Christmas, telling him that I wanted a my pal too. What do you think uh, a nutcracker is? They're conditioning children so they get used to putting nuts in their mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and then Santa does it. Yeah, Santa is the nutcracker. Well, he has, he's the nut, and then he puts. Uh... Oh, I see. You, the kid, is the nutcracker. Oh. You know, I like your theory too, though. If he's he's putting the kids' nuts in his mouth, yeah, yeah. I mean, those nutcrackers are kind of Santa-like. They have beards a lot of times. And he's like, "Grab my handle." Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm I'm really happy about having to watch so many fucking Santa movies. Yeah, my friend was asking me. He's like, "What's?" Who's like, "Do you love Christmas movies or something?" And it's just like. <laughs> No, I think, uh, I just think it's funny to make, you know, with this one, I thought it was funny to make you watch it. <laughs> just as like this horrible movie that should have been forgotten. Uh, yeah. But, I was pretty uh, pissed. Like halfway, like a half an hour into the movie, uh, Wit and I were pretty pissed at you. Yeah. But then the, after the first half hour, that's when things pick up and the movie becomes a lot better. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, the second hour is uh, honestly the movie is pretty good at the in like at the end. I would say it's pretty entertaining. It becomes it's, a fucking real movie. Yeah. So the origin of Santa Claus the movie is the uh, producers and screenwriters of Superman with Christopher Reeve. They were just knocking those movies out. They had done Superman one, two, and three, and okay. Supergirl. 
I was going to say that the the, the effects are very Superman-like. Like the Aurora Borealis stuff. Yeah, and also, like, when they're flying around with the rear projection, that's basically what Superman's mm, whole of cool VFX thing was. Like, oh. are you familiar with the Christopher Reeve Superman movies? I have seen... I've definitely seen the first one. I maybe have seen like the second, but it was like when I was a kid. Yeah, but now that you mention it, yeah, yeah, it's this is this movie is like basically like a Santa Claus version of those old Superman movies. Exactly, and it's kind of cool. As a in the as a kid in the eighties, you know, before Batman came out, Superman remember, was your second favorite superhero, or I remember, Santa Claus. Was. <laughs> Damn, I was too excited about saying that that Santa Claus was your second favorite superhero. Well, my favorite superhero movie is RoboCop. And even though it's not considered a superhero movie, I consider it one. And but that's fun. Besides RoboCop, what a fun guy Sup- you are. Superman. When I was a kid, that was all we had. We had I would watch like Superman 2 and 3. What on about TV. that uh what about that Indian version of Spider-Man? Well, you know, as a as a four and five year old, I didn't have access to, um, world, you know, exotic, uh, imports like that. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I know it was slim pickings kids these days. They don't know how good they got it. They have any superhero flavor they want. They can, uh, thumb through them and pick. You just had to eat fucking Superman shit. Yeah. And Superman three is just fucking terrible. But as a kid, I thought it was funny. I'm like, ooh, Richard Pryor's in it. This is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, uh, how is Richard Pryor in the third Superman movie? Oh, he's great, Adam. He's uh, <laughs> he's definitely uh, sober, and he's just um, he's being hilarious. Is he funny in the movie, or is he really weird and obviously coked out? He's he. First of all, Richard Pryor never got sober, even after his accident where he almost died, his like suicide attempt. I respect that. So he was never sober after that and always continued to use. And Did he stop smoking crack at least? Was, was, wasn't that the thing that set him on fire? No, he was freebasing. So like he oh, okay. was, before crack was invented, what you had to do when you smoked cocaine was use a torch. Like a butane? Is that what that yeah, was? Like a yeah, bu- like a butane torch because a lighter isn't hot enough to light cocaine and so that was the big innovation with crack was that you could light it with a lighter damn that's genius i'm so glad the cia made that for us we should be thanking them well you know those wars don't fund themselves that's true but yeah so he's pretty fucked up in the movie the superman 3 is pretty god awful um I downloaded Supergirl and was watching a little bit of that because that's the same director as Santa Claus, the movie, and that movie is hilariously bad. Um, <laughs> I thought it was supposed to it, be good. Actually, it's not good. Supergirl? Yeah, I thought I heard that it was... With Helen Slater from the 80s? Or like the TV show? From the, the 80s. Uh, you... I don't fucking know. No, uh, yeah, yeah, I meant from the 80s, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it's a piece of shit. Got it. Um, you know, a good Helen Slater movie, if you want to see one, is The Legend of Billie Jean. Oh, she's Billie Jean, huh? But yeah, Santa Claus the movie. I mean, so apparently Warner Brothers execs saw a 
work print of Supergirl, and we're like, this guy is a genius. This movie's a masterpiece. Uh, we definitely need to get this guy in the next big movie. And the original director attached to Santa Claus, the movie, was John Carpenter. Oh, wow. Imagine. And he wanted... Yeah, he wanted Brian Dennehy to play Santa Claus. That we would be living in the timeline where Trump didn't get elected if he if John Carpenter did the Santa Claus movie. Well, I don't think it would actually be a good movie if he had made it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's no way you to know. make this like the problem with the reason why I feel like I you want to give this movie a little bit more uh credit or whatever is because like the concept of making a movie about Santa Claus is so bad and hard to execute. Well, you're just like, damn, it's hard to picture a, a much better movie based on Santa Claus than this. Cause it gives you what I, you want. I don't agree with that. I think any premise can work as a movie. It's just in the execution. And of course, like the story, I think there could I be disagree. a good Santa Claus movie. Also, a lot of people say there there will never be a good Superman movie. It'll never work. But I think there is like a good Superman movie out there that they just haven't done yet. Yeah, it's called Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. It's been made. The Snyder Cut. That's what's the, that's the good version. I think there. I think there could be a good Santa Claus movie. There almost is. It needs to be dark and gritty. No, it doesn't. That has nothing to do. It just needs a fucking plot. Okay, if you say so. It's so fucking funny how I would love to know what the pitch is, but. Well, that's why the movie gets good at the very end is because suddenly there's a plot. I feel like. Okay, so let's break down the movie real fast. Like, okay. not spend the entire podcast going over it like we normally yeah, do. Yeah, God, please don't. So, like, the first 32 minutes of this movie should be about five to 10 minutes long. Um, In the opening scene, Santa Claus is like a normal human who is delivering presents in this old village in like the 1500s or no, like the 1300s. He's just like the village. He's like, he's a wood chopper. Yeah. He makes, he makes little figurines. What does he call them? Bendy combs? No, those are the, the, the Bendy combs or whatever. The the Bendiger. Whatever weird I term they were using. called. Those Bendy are the Cubs. elf. Those are like the elf people. Um, yeah. So he was. He's just like a guy who he doesn't have a red suit. He wears like actual furs, and in his like fucking uh, pagan, his like pagan vi- village, he yeah. he rides a sleigh with Donner and Blitzen, and they make a big deal of it. He's like, "Thank you, Donner and Blitzen." And they're puppet reindeer with like really expressive faces. Yeah, kind of never ending story ish. Yes, very we thought that they were story. real for a second. They're so, pretty good. Like yeah. the one thing about this movie is that the budget is completely astronomical for how stupid it is. Yeah, like it's uh, kind of like the mo- It's like a movie or an instance of a movie where the budget actually is the reason why there's anything good in the movie. Is it having a huge budget? Yes. The spectacle of it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like he's in a, he's in a village. There's like tons of children, tons of characters, tons of villagers in this one yeah. giant house. He delivers them presents. And then he, yeah, he's kind of go- like, um, it kind of reminds me of um, that Seinfeld episode where Kramer's making pasta figurines of everybody. 
and like taking him around to his neighbors. That's basically what he's doing with the bendy combs. Yes. He's making little Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. And then one of and, the, the corkscrew bendy combs goes up an old man's ass. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. So that, uh, Kramer Claus, he, um, yeah. <laughs> he leaves that night and he gets stuck in the snow and starts yelling the N word at everybody. No, he, uh, gets stuck <laughs> in the snow. That part was weird. He, uh, he starts to die. Oh, and Mrs. Claus is with him. And, uh, it's not played by, he's not Brian Dennehy. I don't know who this actor is. It's just some TV guy. He, I've but. seen him in stuff before. I've definitely seen him. In, I think he's in the big Lebowski. He's the, the big, he's the big Lebowski. Wow. You are a hundred percent. I fuck it. I know wrong. I got it. I am so confident in this. I am so dumb. You are so it. dumb. Are you looking that, it up? No, every time I Google this movie, I get the Santa Claus instead with Tim Allen, which is like completely obliterated the memory of this movie. Yeah. Well, that's a very clever play on the title, I would say. The Santa Claus. Like, fuck. I wish I thought of something that clever once in my life. Oh, it is the Big Lebowski. See? I told you. I was very, I knew it. I knew it. You got you to gotta like pick up on when I'm this confident because it doesn't happen that often. But The beard threw me off. Yeah. Well, you're always so confident. You're usually so wrong. <laughs> yeah. I know. But this time I was like, really? Um, he came across yeah. like, a, it, it, it felt like a very mediocre TV actor in this movie. He did not seem like a character actor at all. Yeah. I mean, God, yeah. Like, there. how could there be like a, a performance of Santa Claus in a movie like this that is like, that's like redefines the character and stuff you know what i mean like like joker style shit what you gotta do is hire robert de niro <laughs> yeah that's true yeah, um, come on donna come on blitzen wake up fuckos let's go <laughs> so then yeah they're dying they're freezing to death out in the snow but then a bunch of elves yeah like transport them to the north pole they look like his toys that's what he like He's like, are those bendy comes? And Mrs. Claus is like, no, I think they're little people. And then the elf is like, we prefer to be called elves. You bitch. And, and then he says that. But it's weird. Mrs. Claus does say the the right, um, uses the right term terminology, which is kind of cool. For, for talking about little people. And then she's corrected, and she's like, "No, no, we're elves." Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> just a what a what a cool <laughs> thing for the movie to do. Yeah, <laughs> that was one of the coolest things that happened at, until this point. I thought, "Hey, this lady's pretty cool." She's with it. She's like, "Get those goddamn midget fingers away from me, <laughs> yeah. you little creeps!" Yeah, I'm gonna bite them off. Yeah. So this, and then, uh, you know, there's like a huge introductor introduction scene with like, you see the North pole, they basically go through the entire Santa mythos and try to explain it. So it's like the Batman begins of Santa movies. There's a, he has an invisible like castle, like a fortress factory thing. Um, there are hundreds of elves. It's a fortress of solitude. 
exactly it's Same basically shit. the fortress of solitude um yeah the, he has like uh, an army of elves they're all male yeah they all fuck there's no chicks they don't never have to worry on. about you know pregnancies or anything like that so they just have the wildest orgies at santa's workshop and they have little band-aids on their bottoms yeah to stop the bleeding <laughs> yeah that was a weird scene when they showed those they like bandage each other's buttholes yeah well that's also cute. how they give that's also how they give birth and procreate their butt babies oh damn i didn't know that about the elves i didn't know that lore you gotta pay attention to this movie it goes by pretty fast yeah it does yeah this movie has like an hour long first act that is well it's 32 minutes long i mean what do you what what happens what, what that gets it out of the first act in your he becomes opinion santa he becomes santa claus yeah i guess you know that's yeah. the first act it's not a great first act yeah yeah i mean like i i, I don't like nothing it's, things don't really start happening though after that i guess the main issue of course is that there's zero like Santa Claus has no wants or needs or any desire. Yeah, he just has his fuck palace of little people. So he's got it made. About twenty-five minutes, an old wizard elf comes out. Burgess like, Meredith. Yeah, like Lord of the Rings or some shit. <laughs> just like in the Two Towers, when the elves show up, like this army of like, ooh, special elves show up, and um, two other elves are holding his beard, like walking with his really long beard. It's kind of like holding pockets for elves. Well, you know, his beard is very important. It can't touch the ground. Yeah. It's like the American flag. It's sacred, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's also... So, like, yeah, there is, like... In this first act, there is, like, spectacle and stuff. And there's, like, a lot of, like, dancing. And, like, elves are, like, in unison, working. It's insane. also... Bo- it's completely boring. And this is... I had probably almost fallen asleep multiple times. Like of I would course. have to pause yeah. it and just like rest my eyes for five minutes and just kind of like sleep. Yeah. And then just kind of like, all right, let's do this. Let's just, let's do this. <laughs> all right, you gotta like splash well, some cold water on your face. Yeah. It's pretty boring. <laughs> I mean, it's just so boring. Like it, it could be done in one montage in five minutes in a modern movie. Well, the thing about like the Santa thing, like, yeah, he has like no wants or whatever. And it's kind of made me realize like, and I thought I felt this with the Ernest goes to Christmas movie too, like the whole like fantasy about like somebody becoming Santa. It's kind of like Harry Potter. It's like about getting. It's the fantasy of getting magic powers, at, but for no reason, like and doing nothing for for it, not having to like earn it. Just having somebody come up and be like, "You're a wizard, Harry. You know, here you go." And you're like, "All right, fuck yeah, sweet. I'm Santa now. Let's rock." Well, they and they also call him the chosen one, so they make it seem like he's some sort of Jesus-like figure in this. Yeah, it's funny to think about like how there's this mad actually is this magic in the world, but yes. it's just used to give toys to kids, and it's and not used on shitty, anything else. They are shitty toys. Yeah, just like primary colors, painted pieces of wood, like really shitty. Well, this movie's like that. Like Whit, kept, we, Whit, Whit kept saying like, "Who is this movie for?" Because children, like, yeah, but like in the eighties, like a little kid, they don't want I those watch toys. This, I watched this movie. Yeah, but kids that aren't like retarded. Well, they solve that problem later on, I guess. But oh, yeah, true. Like, I guess that's the the conflict that we'll get. But into. like, then there's like after he's he's blessed by Burgess Meredith, and he's like he takes his first flight, and 
they explain everything. They explain that this is how we can go to all the children's houses. This is how we can go down the chimney. This yeah. is how we can do all the bullshit. Oh, they give uh, the reindeer like magic powder. They get magic, magic food that sparkles and Santa Claus is flying around. They have this like insane montage that looks like it's out of Speed Racer of children receiving presents and then like Santa Claus flying across the frame. And then there's like a composited background. There's like all these layers of um, really difficult 80s compositing going on. Yeah. And hundreds of years go by. And we just watch this fucking montage until we get to like 1985. And that's around 45 minutes into the movie. And there's basically an hour left in the movie. And this is when the actual story starts. And this is also where when the screenwriters just go completely fucking crazy. <laughs> well, they're like, so, shit, we got to do something, I guess, now that he's Santa Claus. Yes. And there's one other big character played by Dudley Moore as Patch, and he's an elf. And he's not very funny. He's just like, I guess you're supposed to think it's funny. Like, oh, it's Arthur, right? Yeah. Like, ooh, he's that's Dudley Moore. He's British. Like, as a kid, I never understood why people like Dudley Moore or why he was in movies. Yeah, I've, I've, I, I mean, I've seen Arthur and I remember, or I've watched a little bit of Arthur and like thought he was annoying and I turned it off. Right. And I, and when I was a kid, I hadn't seen Arthur. So I just saw this movie in like, he was in, he basically said yes to anything in the eighties and whatever had the most money, he would be in it. Yeah. I get why they cast Dudley Moore in this. I think it's a perfect casting. <laughs> I'm Patch. Yeah, he's he always says little uh, the one the one like attempt at writing jokes in this movie is like puns on elf, like the using the word elf and things like Patch will say like I have I'm brimming with elf confidence instead of self confidence, and things like like, elf made instead of self made. You know, it's basically always self to elf, and then it's good shit. And they're probably just making so much money working on this movie. Yeah, it does seem like a movie where everybody's on coke all the producers and stuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is also like, this is why there are screenwriting books now and why that became <laughs> like a corporate the movie because of like corporate. That's like move like corporate movies started having following those rules because like all these financial people started moving into the movie business and they didn't understand story the way like the old studio guard did. Yeah. And, they didn't understand the seventies kind of storytelling. Yeah. The character, so, the kind of character driven sort of stuff. So they would, they would make movies like this, which are, it's just, it's basically a full length commercial and it's completely structureless and it's, <laughs> it's total chaos. So yeah. I, I imagine like enough failures, like big budget failures like this started making them like, okay, we got to like figure out some fucking rules because, you know, I, I mean, we got Santa Claus, we got elves, we got Dudley Moore. I don't know what else we got to do. This movie's not making any money. Yeah. It was a beautiful time before they started reading story by Robert McKee, whatever. I mean, they needed something to f- of figure course. it out. Of course. My, writing a movie is hard. Plus, also, your your assignment is horrible. You have to write Santa Claus, colon, the movie. <laughs> Those four words just staring at you on the page being like come on motherfucker try it Uh, all right let's start with the origin all right so we got his origin okay and then now what yeah Mm. so this is when it starts making a very like superman turn Uh, patch is like 
a big character. Like, I think if a modern screenwriter wrote this movie, it would focus entirely on Patch. Mm-hmm. I mean, like He's elf, like the new elf know? or something like that. Yeah, so Dudley Moore, he's like smart, but he's also stupid. But he he invents a machine to uh, make toys faster, like yeah. an assembly line machine. Like I think it's like, a metaphor for like the Industrial Revolution. Yes, and uh, but also there's like an '80s like car robot anti robot factory kind of thing going on. Yeah. And there's this contest to see who's going to be Santa Claus's new assistant because by 1985, there's now like billions of people in the world and it's making him very tired to fly all around the world. Yeah. So Patch, uh, he has his machine going and he's, he makes all these toys really fast. And the other guy is, what's his name? Like pouch, pouchy or poochy or poppy. His name is poppy. He, um, he like hand makes the toys and he's like, I think we should do it in the traditional way. Totally. This is a, yeah, yeah. such a uh, fucking uh, allegory for like, you know, modern society creeping in, making us lose our way, making us lose touch with Santa. But also it's not like what happens is all the toys um, patch made with his automatic machine end up breaking and there's a funny scene where there's like little kids like playing with them and they're like toys break and they like start crying and they're like fall down and little kid's car gets like run over by a school bus yeah there's this one dumb kid and it she's on like a little like power wheel kind of thing and then the front wheel rolls away and then the whole thing breaks and then a car just runs it over yeah and it could have just the car could have easily just completely run over the kid too and it's such a horribly directed scene because all three kids are like on the same corner of the block. That makes sense. That's how you stand on blocks, right? I mean, I guess it's efficient, but it's just fucking dumb. It's like all the toys broke. Boom. Right. Yeah. There's so, like three kids playing with Santa toys at the same time and they're all breaking at the same time. It's a nightmare. And there's all this like established shit they had to do in terms of screenwriting that to make sense out of it. So all the kids letters can float around the world up to the North pole and go down Santa's chimney. Yeah. And when they return the toys, all the broken toys get sent back through Santa's chimney and it, there's just like a big pile. And then there's this like yeah. big dramatic scene where Santa Claus has to like remove, uh, the assistant apron. apron. Yeah. Yeah. Away from patch and give it to Poppy. Yeah. Poppy's like the Dwight of the off of the Santa's workshop. So, uh-huh. And he's like, he's like a dim, stupid person. Yeah. Like they don't give him any positive attributes, but they're just like, don't you ever do anything different? Yeah. You know, that's the message of the movie, in my opinion. That's the lesson. Yeah. So then um, while this is all going on on Earth, there's all these other storylines happening. Um, there are two children in New York City. One's rich and one's poor. And it's a rich little girl who lives in a giant mansion. And she sees this like, tough street kid wearing like leather yeah who uh he's an orphan he's an orphan and he just like wanders around new york city yeah i like the mcdonald's scene where he's just like pressed against the window there's a great scene on like in like cold manhattan there's like a bunch of happy families inside of mcdonald's eating (laughs) dinner sharing food and smiling and he just he's like licking his lips and like yeah. There is no McDonald's in any major city that nice. 
<laughs> yeah, the McDonald's in New York, especially, are like pretty, pretty wild from what I've seen. They're pretty, yeah, they're pretty awful. Like, there was a downtown LA McDonald's that closed a few years ago that was maybe the most horrible place I've ever seen in the world. Yeah. There would be like a, like a homeless guy shitting against the window in a normal McDonald's, not like a cute little orphan kid pressed up against it. Yeah. There'd be a homeless guy shitting inside the McDonald's. Yeah. I think in San Francisco recently, there was like a story about like a, a guy who brought a dead raccoon into a McDonald's or a fast food place. Okay. And what, and then what? Then it was on video. There's just like a funny conversation. Oh, I see. But there's a lot of crazy shit. Like I worked at a McDonald's when I was 15 and crazy shit happens there all the time. Like, you know, there's like people freaking out. There's people getting out of jail and that's the first place they go. Like mm. my coworkers were getting out of jail and coming to work. Like <laughs> everybody who's at the McDonald's is like freshly out of jail. Yeah. Like, and then you being at, at 15. Or like there'd be like rich people who come in every day and just eat the same thing and they'd be like really overweight and like I, I would literally like have the same customers every day and recognize them and give them the same food. Rich people would come into the McDonald's every day? Well, I was in a rich neighborhood in like oh, yeah. Pleasanton in Northern California. That sounds cool. So like people would come in with like there'd be rich people and just like homeless people. Um, Damn, Tale of Two Cities. Yeah, and like if you're in Manhattan, no good restaurants, you know, for this little kid to look through the window. Yeah, of it's course. Not a big, not a big restaurant town. <laughs> yeah, he would just be hanging out at the McDonald's for sure. Not a pizza place. Not a fucking Chinese restaurant. Of course, yeah, just the the that old New York institution, McDonald's. And also, there's like a really gross, um, like rich person, like aesthetic to this whole movie like being in manhattan yeah is kind of gross um well it taken pl- it's kind of like the it's kind of like oliver and company this part which is made around the same time where it's like the little girl in oliver and company is like this she doesn't have any parents she has like a nanny who's like she doesn't have her, her parents aren't like a presence but she like lives in this mansion by herself with this nanny basically i guess you could say it's dickensian hmm because, you know, Oliver and Company is based on a novel called Oliver Twist that was written 100 years ago. Oh, I thought the novel was called Oliver and Company. Just kidding. It's pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Um, I know that about Oliver and Company. I'm not a fucking idiot. So, yeah, it's a tale of two cities. You know, you got the rich people, you got the poor people. Yeah. There's also this like extremely greedy businessman played by John Lithgow, who's easily the most entertaining person in the entire movie. He's kind of like in a different movie, I feel like, but it's like a better movie. Yeah, he's really going for it. He I plays forget. a uh, he plays a, a toy company owner who's a like a greedy. he's like a tycoon. He's though. a tycoon, and they give him like that inbred rich person look. Like the bit, he has like he, it looks like he's wearing big teeth. And, you know, he's just like a old school tycoon guy. Well, uh, but- he's also he's also acting exactly like Lex Luthor, played by Gene Hackman in the Superman movies. I see. Damn, man. You could watch so- Superman and just be like, I'm getting my Santa fix right now. Yeah, like they're just these 
these screenwriters are just cribbing <laughs> from, from all shit. the other from all the other Superman movies they wrote. It's a good approach, actually. I kind of get it, and it may—I don't know. Yeah, it gives it this weird quality, knowing that that it's like from basically the same team and like process and like approach as the Superman movies, but for Santa Claus. You think that's a good process? It's well, it's like make for the for the time. It makes it like bizarre in like an interesting way. Yeah, but this is unfortunately kind of what happened to movies anyway. Mm, afterwards sure. yeah, yeah yeah but yeah the john lithgow guy he's like in the he's like being investigated because his toys are like really dangerous and like his dolls are like flammable well they have a teddy bear in like a senate subcommittee they're doing a hearing and they bring out a teddy bear and they rip its head off and then they pour out the contents and it's like broken glass and nails <laughs> and as- asbestos it's like truly heinous shit yeah so his like company's ruined what was he thinking putting broken glass and nails in the teddy bear i guess he got a i guess you know he probably got a good deal buying wreckage from tony soprano yeah you know and just (laughs) stuffing it into these teddy bears and reselling it yeah so his his toys are recalled and patch who's now in new york city He's seeing all the to- all the recalled toys being taken off the shelves, and he thinks, "Oh, he must be very popular with selling their toys are going like hotcakes." Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. He has to, he like runs away from the North Pole because he's been disgraced. Yeah. So he goes to BZ Toys, and apparently he was supposed to play uh, Mister McSiximplex, like that. There was he, that talk of him in one of the Superman sequels. Well, what? Are, who is that? Mr. McSixenplex. Okay. His name is supposed to be impronounceable, but and the only way to stop him, I think, is if Superman says his name. Oh, that's like a that's like a super friends villain. Like yeah. old kind. Yeah, I hear you. The bizarro no. kind of thing. Well, he's he's a big character in Superman. Oh shit. Superman sucks. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, just because you don't know who a character is doesn't mean you... So this is a good character, you're saying? Mr. McSix and Plex. He could be. But anyway, right, like, Dudley Moore is basically acting like him. And he's like... How so? He's like popping around the room, like turning off and on. Oh, yeah. How do they do that moving... scene? That's a one-shot thing that they do. Yeah, how do they do it, Adam? <laughs> He just like hides or like what? You just stop the camera and then you move him to a different position and you oh, start rolling. But John it. Lithgow is in it as well, in the shot, moving around and stuff. Well, isn't he popping? Oh, oh, he's there's little jumps. You think? I mean, that's how they would do it back. Like every effect in this movie is done the way you and your friends would have done it. Like there's nothing special about any of these visual effects. I'm in awe. I'm humbled. I mean, by the craft i'm watching the scene okay looks like he jumps damn they got me worked on me well john lithgow is so good physically yeah he's definitely popping um what's up with john lithgow by the way is that stewie is he is is stewie just like john lithgow no stewie is um rex harrison from my fair lady Oh, I, yeah, I, I remember, like, as soon as Family Guy came out and I saw it for the first time, I was like, oh, they're doing a baby that's like John Lithgow. 
John Lithgow's not British. Right. But he, I guess maybe in Third Rock from the Sun, he had a British accent or something? Or did he just have oh, that you, you, you fancy just, theater accent? You just have no understanding of culture or any history of <laughs> entertainment. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right. I'm pretty sure you're one of the dumbest people in the world. <laughs> Hosting a podcast about <laughs> something. Uh, agree to disagree. So anyway, Santa comes during all this. No, Santa, no, 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 no. Well, Santa meets the wait, orphan. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> For, we got to finish the John Lithgow. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, Dudley Moore. The you're right. So Dudley Moore tells um, BZ Toys or whatever his face is that uh, you know he can make he can make toys for no money and also he tells him like I'm not I don't need to get paid I just need a warm place to sleep yeah so they come up with a plan to do like a they basically are going to become rival Santa Clauses with Patch yeah it's pretty diabolical and the toy and their big item is going to be. Um, candy and lollipops made out of the uh, food the reindeer eat that makes kids like float in the air yeah and that, i don't get how that's a toy that dudley moore isn't like inventing it seems like he's just putting that thing that he took into a lollipop you know what does he need all the uh well what's also funny is the thing that he does invent that is incredible is he invents a flying car to deliver all of these toys yeah or all these presents and a flying car is one of the greatest inventions possible no that has and the same can... that has the powder on it too right adam but if you had a fucking flying car that you could right. drive around manhattan and go to the north pole and visit every house in the world in one night also yeah he can slow down time and deliver all the presents yeah it's a good car. kind of a it's kind of a plot hole it's like a Tesla. It's more amazing than a Tesla. It's like a fucking spaceship. Like, I mean, have you been every, in a Tesla? Everything about it is so incredible. And it's just like a thing that they thought they're just like, oh, and yeah, he has a flying car and he can travel all through the world in one night. Yeah. And then he passes out the lollipops and little kids. And they just like, and then like, oh, the lollipops. That's so profitable. Yeah, <laughs> these, these are just like the stupidest fucking businessmen ever. They don't realize that they have a flying car. Exactly. Like, or like the fact that now people can fly like that. How many problems does that solve? Yeah, only like it's weird that adults don't get into the lollipop flying lollipop game or like aren't into that. You know, it's like just like little kids for play sake. Maybe they're like very short bursts of floatiness. Well, but... that's what it is. But still, it's an amazing thing, and also it's just like the fact that the like these parents let their kids eat this shit. Well, in the eighties, you know, the parents just let their kids do anything. Yeah. So while all this shit's going on, Santa Claus is like he's like depressed now. <laughs> yeah. And he feels very little dickhead. Yeah, and he he meets um, Joe, the orphan boy. And yeah. He like, and there's like like very very much hinted like. <laughs> child molester kind of scene where he's like hey do you want to check out my sleigh like yeah wanna, <laughs> he's like come on in my van do you want to come in you want to go for a ride yeah you want to uh, there's presents the in my van why, why don't you reach into my pocket and see what you can find in there <laughs> um yeah that oh, happens oh, oh. so he, he, he santa meets that orphan kid and he, he flies him around 
and they meet he meets the rich the orphan meets the little rich girl and they they're like connecting and she's do, being like oh he's an orphan like i want to help him and stuff but you know not actually doing anything Classic yeah like she could just shit. she could just fucking help him just yeah. let him sleep in your mansion it's really funny she, that the next christmas when santa goes back the kid is still an orphan i thought yeah. that was really and funny. also um while they're flying around that night joe and santa claus santa claus is trying to show off you know to like really seal the deal with this kid. <laughs> yeah really get him to t- take his pants you know off really him. get him hot and bothered he tries yeah. to do a super duper looper which is a vertical 360 yeah like a roller coaster but uh donner and blitzen get like freaked out and they like they can't handle it donner's like definitely like the weakest link in the reindeer thing it seems like it's also annoying the way that like the reindeer can fly and then the sleigh is like pulled in the air but i felt like the sleigh would just be like dangling off the back of the floating reindeer like the yeah. w- like there's nothing to keep that up it's like when yeah, a, like when a cat is walking around with like some poop hanging out of its butthole or something that hasn't been cleaned off that's what the sleigh would be should be like and there's no um or wait like all the visual effects of course look just like superman it's just like the shittiest rear projection yeah but in the but in the 80s that's all we had day so for night just, shots of new york city the cinematography like, is actually pretty good dude the cinematography in this movie is fucking amazing i thought for most of it like it, it's just it's, even that mcdonald's scene looked incredible it's just so expensive looking but yeah the money the money's on screen it's it's like that kind of 80s production value where they're just spending I think $40 million and it's all on screen because there's besides Dudley Moore, no one's really that big of an actor. Right. Right. And I'm sure he was probably, probably paid like $1 million or something like something, not even that crazy. Yeah. So yeah, a year goes by or not. Does a year go by? No, I think like there's no like in between Christmas time in this movie. You never see like what happens in June, what they're doing up, up at the North pole where santa's just like walking around in the open robe well i thought after the so like the other thing that happens is all the little kids are eating the the lollipops made by dudley moore and Mm -hmm. there's like a montage of kids like floating yeah in the air and it becomes a huge hit so that bz's like we got to do it again we got to go bigger and better like we gave away the toys for free this year that was like a way to Mm. um garner public sympathy and gain back to trust but now we're gonna sell it we're gonna like sell the new candy that's a pretty good development i think that one thing they do kind of good is that it's like an anti-capitalist movie it's kind of cool are you joking (laughs) what well i mean the biz he's a businessman that's he's the the mcdonald's commercial besides that that's why it's confusing and also like the idea that like oh we don't think automatic production is the way to go we need traditional stuff but uh, eat a fucking chicken McNugget or yeah. a goddamn Big Mac. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it's completely hypocritical on every level. I mean, yeah. So the the big plot development is that the new candy canes that are gonna like be given out at next Christmas are or Christmas two because BZ gets like is like we're gonna take over Christmas. I'm gonna take over Santa Claus. We're gonna be more loved than Santa Claus. The new candy canes are dangerous and like. I guess like kill people or like they explode. Oh yeah, there's they explode. But uh, but Christmas too, he was saying it's like that's going to be in like July. That's yeah. Christmas in July. So then um the orphans, you find out the little girl like is related to BZ. Of course. So then uh Joe I think finds out about the evil plan 
and he's trying to tell Santa Claus, but he doesn't know how to get in contact with Santa Claus, and he um, gets in contact with Dudley Moore. They then take all the candy canes and put it in the flying car, and they're going to go to the North Pole. Yeah. And then the girl Cornelia, Santa Claus just pops into her room, and then she starts telling him what's going on, because I guess she wrote a letter. And Santa Claus is trying to get to Joe and Patch, who are flying in their flying car. So there's a big chase sequence at the end where there are two parties flying over the North Pole. Horrible visual effects, of course. Yeah. The the flying car starts sparking in the back. All the candy canes are like smoking and burning. Expl- yeah, they're about to explode. And then um, Santa Claus, he first tried to do the super duper looper. I turned to my girlfriend. I was like, I wonder if he'll be able to do that by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what did classic. she say? She just said, "Ugh." she did not like the movie at all. Come on. And she, could, and she left right after that scene. I think she went to bed right after that scene. <laughs> and she was on her phone the whole time. I was just watching it. She wasn't sure, really watching sure, it. Sure. So then uh, Santa Claus starts to super duper looper. Uh, the reindeer don't freak out. He does a th- vertical 360. Patch and the kid explode out of the car, fly in the air, and then Santa Claus goes underneath them and catches them. Yeah, it's awesome. And that's it. That's the arc of the entire movie. That's all, everything Santa Claus wanted and needed to accomplish. Yeah. And it's just, I, I mean, I can't believe a fucking, like a $40 million 1985 movie is based on that <laughs> construct like I, I imagine the pitch was just the opening scene the opening half hour like there's no way they could have pitched the story well that's like something like that they would pitch the opening half hour and be and the and then like executives would be like and then what happens where's the bad guy and they're like fuck uh lex luthor uh, yeah there's the yeah <laughs> they just uh, pull up their old dra- uh superman draft exactly rip auto replace lex luther with uh k kb toys or whatever his name is well you know then we got typewriters back then so they just fucking oh shit okay that's hard that, that sounds hard they got the that's whiteout they just that's actual the, work the screenplay was thick with whiteout yeah um and then john lit so they oh so santa flies back to the north pole after christmas is over santa flies back to the north pole with patch and with the orphan and the rich girl and then the orphan is they're all in the Santa's workshop with all the elves, and it it seems like the orphan is going to become Santa and Mrs. Claus's son because they can't have kids because Santa can't get it up because they haven't invented dick pills yet. So they keep the orphan, and then they also say like that the little girl. They're like, "What are we going to do about the rich girl?" And one of them is like, "Why doesn't she stay here for the year?" And then you can drop her off when you go back next Christmas. So they basically kidnap a little girl for a year. At the end yeah, of and they have to live in a fucking gulag in, <laughs> yeah. in the North Pole. Yeah. Are surrounded by like 1,800 little midgets. Yeah, hedonistic. Who have never seen a woman oh, in man. 600 years. Yeah. And they just probably destroy both those kids. It's like an old boy when he gets out at first and he's in the elevator with a woman and he's just like gripping the sides because he's so... He's so horny. Yeah. Burgess Meredith probably had like... Three elves pull back his pubic hair because his bush was so big. (laughs) Just like this, like drapes, just pulling it. Yeah. Holding it back. That's cool. Um, Yeah. Elves pubes don't stop growing. That's one of the things about elves that that I've read in books. And all elves have chodes for penises. (laughs) Yeah. Really wide. Really wide. Just short, stout 
hard, square-shaped penises. Yeah, and very nice, big, heavy balls. Solid so balls. They, although before all this happened, of course, John Lithgow got arrested. No, he was about and, to get arrested. Right, he's about to get arrested. And <laughs> I don't need to correct he, you on that. I guess. He eats his candy canes, and he's like, I'm going to fly away. And then he goes out the window. He, he ate too many. And he just, like, floats... He just floats away. He floats I into space. The, I guess he just dies. Yeah, I think he floats to the outer atmosphere and then dies from, from lack of oxygen, is what the movie is implying. Which is cool. That's a cool way for a villain to end, to die. Well, yeah. A lot of 80s movies end with a villain falling off a building, like Die Hard. Totally. Batman? Yeah, and this one, he just floats vertically away. Whoa. What do you think it means? I mean, these screenwriters just know what they're doing. They know I think it's a, a metaphor twist. for capitalism. How it's out of, it's floating out of control. It is funny how the capitalism of the mid eighties is, you know, it is an element of the movie and like a theme of the movie, whether or not the writers really have any understanding or control of it. Sure. It's just there, you know? I mean, it, they really are making an argument for socialism besides the McDonald's scene. Well, like, are you saying the elves are socialists? Of course. They're all happy working, doing their like union jobs. Like them singing and dancing and stuff while they work. That's just what like union labor looks like. Of course. and then But they don't explain where the supplies come from. Oh. They don't explain where the magic comes from. They the indigenous explain... communities that are that are being uh, exploited for the elves' benefit. They just make it's just magic. Yeah, I guess in a, in ma, in ma, in a magical world, socialism could exist, is what the movie's saying. Of course. In a fucking... Not in the yeah. real world. In a cartoon. Yeah. I do appreciate that this movie is like a less Christian movie than Ernest Saves Christmas. Oh, yeah? This is like the opposite of Keep, Keep Christ in Christmas, this what movie. I feel like a lot of Jews worked on this movie. But there's a Jew... John Lithgow's henchman is like a, a, like a wormy Jewish guy. But maybe that's just them like trying to throw us off their scent. Clever, wacky Jews. Um, <laughs> yeah. The other thing about this movie that we should say is that John Lithgow is completely hilarious. Like he's so funny in this movie. Like I mean, his over the top, his over the top acting is easily the best thing about the movie. Totally. I mean, that's I that's that's kind of what he did. I feel like, you know, that that was his thing was being really chewing the scenery. Yeah. You know, stealing movies. Um, I do like when movies have that subtle inbred thing for the rich person characters you ever see like old pictures picture? i don't i don't yeah. know what you're talking about they he has fake teeth that are like big teeth and that's like a rich person like a royal family sort of shit like they give him like prince charles teeth and i think a lot of old money families have that that weird quality like trump used to look way more of an inbred royal person than he does now i don't know what he did i don't know if he got i think but he used to have like bigger teeth Look. See, when I think of an inbred, weak European aristocracy, I think of like small, effete, hemophiliac. Bendy comes. Like kind of people, like very sullen. Like, uh, did you ever see Mr. Destiny with John Belushi? No. Or Jim, Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi. Of course. Like his kids in that movie, those are like effete, rich kids. They're like sullen and weak. Yeah, I get it, but they're but they're still like uh, the royal family in England like has these facial characteristics that just look like they're they're there's some inbreeding, or maybe it's just like a British thing. I don't know. Well, the 
the royal family is not i don't think they're british i think they're um they're german what yeah do english people know about this yes (laughs) okay that would have been a fucking huge bomb if 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 you were the first person to break that well because they would the royal family so inbred that they would inbreed amongst other royal families and then right yeah the the windsors i believe they're they're from germany originally well yeah i really liked i would say more than anything if you want like a santa vibe this movie is like that that vibe if you're a fucking weird psycho who wants to live in like a wooden toy world for an hour you could watch the first hour of this movie and you i mean i think vibe. this i think this is a fun like movie to watch with someone if you want to laugh at a bad movie and you want to just see like a ridiculous spectacle yeah the spectacle is honestly worth it i think because it, it like does the spectacle well well, you just can't believe it. You just can't believe a movie can't like this was made and cost this much money and so yeah. much money is thrown on the screen. And it was very unsuccessful. It had... Oh, it was a bomb? Yeah, negative reviews. It was a bomb. <laughs> you know, it's a piece of shit. It's just like everybody saw right through it. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, imagine how lame the kids who wanted to go see this movie must have been. Fucking like the biggest, most weenie kids possible. You know? Are you implying that I was a weenie? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I remember, like, so Little I haven't watched boy. this movie since I was five years old. So the only things I remember were I remember Dudley Moore. I remember John Lithgow. Um, I remember the kids floating and eating the candy. I remember the McDonald's scene. And I remember the Joe and Cornelia, like the scene where she like makes him dinner that one night. I'm picturing you watching the movie and having the exact same hair as Cornelia at five Basically, years old. I had, I had like a bowl cut Yeah. with freckles, but <laughs> I mean, there's no reason to watch this movie. Really? It's it just w- fucking terrible. Yeah, it is. But, I, but I, the, I don't know. Like, yeah, like the spectacle the staging, the cinematography is really good. For the most part. It's completely hilarious when he does the super duper looper at the end. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty badass uh, climax. So where would you rank our Christmas movie so far? Um, I actually made some adjustments after after this movie. Because, do you want to say what you gave this movie? <laughs> yeah, I gave it one star. Santa Claus the movie? Yeah. You did? I thought you gave it three stars. I did that to trick you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, well, it worked. Well, what did you give the movie, Adam? Well, okay, so I've made some adjustments uh, on all of my Christmas movies since this movie. So I, I adjusted my Ernest Saves Christmas score from two and a half to two. Um, don't be shocked. Don't don't be too shocked about this. And I, I actually adjusted the Silent Night, Deadly Night as well, even though they're obviously different movies. I adjusted that one, down one. Um, I, I'd put that as a three and a half. I, I'd have made it a three. Um, really, this is just about like what a three-star movie means, I think. I was kind of figuring that or kind of remembering that and being like, I don't know, and kind of reevaluate. But, uh, and then this movie I gave uh, two and a half. 
So that's really funny though that you <laughs> you set me up. On well, because Adam, like, I feel like Adam. Every time I look at a movie score, Adam gives it's like half a star next to my score. <laughs> so I wanted to. I know that you. Would, I know you think that has something to do with you, because you're an unrelenting narcissist. That's right. <laughs> but uh, well, you know, I was the I was when I was watching this movie, I was like, "Fuck, this movie is so." Uh, yeah, like the story is so bad and stuff, but the spectacle, I was genuinely like thought they did a good job with, with thing, with any, with everything besides the story, basically, which is a weird thing for a movie to like the one thing to not be good, but other movie things in the movie to be good. Um, so, and then I was kind of, I was kind of trying to handicap it a little bit because I just was like, how hard would it be to make a movie about Santa, you know? And, and then the ending, I thought it made me be like, okay, this feels like uh, fucking something happens at the end. And I, th- I, th- I thought the movie actually got good when Dudley Moore's, when we saw Dudley Moore's sleigh that he made with, with the John Lithgow. I was like, oh, this movie is something now. And it's kind of fun to watch. This, this yeah. competing Santa thing. The first half hour just is like, you're, get, you're on downers, you know? You're just, you're getting... Yeah, barbiturates. Yeah, you're getting like lulled, you know, you're just like yeah. falling asleep. You're so bored. You yeah. can't believe how bo- stupid it is and how expensive it is. And then when like John Lithgow comes in and Dudley Moore are just, there's some semblance of a plot, you kind of wake up and then like when he does the super duper looper, you're like, oh, okay. So that was pretty funny. That's ridiculous. So like the moral of the story is if you're going to make a movie, just have a big finish, you know? Oh yeah, totally. And then people will forget about the shitty movie that preceded it. But wait a yeah. minute. You gave this movie less stars than Ernest Saves Christmas. Yeah. Because uh, I like Jim Varney. <laughs> Ernest Saves Christmas is technically a half star movie, but I like Jim Varney that much. No, I gave how it an extra star. Where's your Christmas spirit? It's I mean, this is a better made movie than Ernest Saves Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the visual effects in Ernest Saves Christmas are fucking terrible compared to this movie. What are you talking about? And honestly, the 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 completely boring nature of the Joe and Santa storyline in Ernest Saves Christmas, I think this story is more interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's just fucking who cares about Santa? I want to tell that to the kids I see. Just be like, look, the Santa guy, he's not that interesting. Okay. He just you just like him because he gives you presents. Yeah. But you're not <laughs> you're not you're not thinking about what those presents cost. That's me talking to kids in line to sit, sit on Santa's lap at the mall. Don't do it. Don't oh God. You're gonna damn. sit on his pants tent. And Santa Claus is just doing reverse cowgirl. <laughs> reverse pi- just pile driving a kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, that's that, that's why you sit. That's why you sit on his lap like that. Because San, reverse cowgirl is Santa's favorite position. Just imagine like the ugliest male porn actor you've ever seen in any porn. Yeah. In your life, and that guy is Santa Claus. Yeah. Fully nude, just raping uh, a child family member of yours. Oh man, now I'm getting pissed. Yeah. Fuck. That's what Santa Claus is. I gotta go kill a Santa 
Gotta go pollinate. That would be a funny. That's the one thing they've like with like Silent Night Deadly Night. You know, that's the one thing they never did in a Santa movie, which just makes Santa a child molester. Yeah. Well, that movie's waiting to be written by you. Like Jaws, but Claws. Nice. And it has like the Jaws music. Yeah. And it's like a little kid. It's like, <laughs> bah, bah. And he's just like in a store. Like, I'm going to go look at the toys. Okay, mom. She's like, okay, sweetie. Bah, bah. <laughs> and Santa's swear. <laughs> and you see his hat. You see Santa's hat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like behind an aisle. Yeah. Like moving. Slowly moving. All right. Yeah, that is scary. Like the shark. Roy, Roy Scheider's like the mall security. He's just like looking around. Yeah. And With the mayor's binoculars. like, that mall will be open for Christmas. <laughs> There's somebody He's in like, the store molesting kids. <laughs> We're not shutting the store down till we find this guy. And they like, they're like, we caught your Santa Claus. <laughs> and they like, cut open this like fat Santa Claus guy. Yeah. He's like, like, that well, wasn't the one. That wasn't the one. Look at that license plate from Texas. That's golf. That's a golf Santa. <laughs> they just killed a guy who wasn't molesting kids. He was just wearing a red shirt. What would uh what would Quint's story light story be, his monologue? Mm. Instead of uh, the USS Indianapolis. <sighs> when I was a boy. Our school bus crashed. We were lost in the woods. It just tells a story about when he gets molested. <laughs> and this old man with a beard molested, just molested all the boys and girls. Uh, that guy is like a doll's eyes. Damn. Claws sounds good. They're sharing scars. Yeah. Emotional scars. Richard Dreyfuss is like, look at my asshole. See that? <laughs> when I was a boy... The Easter Bunny fucked my ass. Just spreading it open in front of Quint and Ron I got Sh- that Ron beat. Schneider. I I got that beat. Look at this. Yeah. Maybe his penis has bite marks on it from the Santa. Santa Claus put a nutcracker right on the tip of my penis. <laughs> yeah. Bit it off. Yeah. And then they're like staring at him. That's the story he tells. They're just like horrified. Yeah. And it's a long monologue. It's like. He bit my penis off with a nutcracker. Yeah. No distress signal was sent. They're just in the break room of this department store. <laughs> like people coming in and getting coffee and donuts. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, you guys got to leave. You can't drink here. Get the fuck out of the store. Yeah. <laughs> um, damn, dude. I'm so glad we fucking watched all these Santa movies. We got one more. What? Oh, fuck. Uh, this one is going to be uh, more of a, a a funny bad movie, though, right? Dial Code Santa Claus? It's it's not like a bad movie. Oh, it's, okay. It's more of an extremely misguided movie. It's directed by this visual effects guy. Fucking I can't believe it. <laughs> who cast his own son in the lead role. And it's pretty shocking how similar to Home Alone it is. Let's talk about it next week. <laughs> But uh, I thought it was pretty good. All right. Well, I'm excited. I do still believe in Santa. Adam, let me ask you one final question. Okay. What do you want for Christmas? Bendy cum. That's not what they're called. What the hell is it? 
I hear you typing. What does Santa Claus call the elves and his toys? That's something you're Googling as a 37-year-old man. Vendicum. Vendy? <clears throat> Vendicum? With a Q- V-E-N-D-E-Q-U-M. Oh, that would have been cool if it was spelled C-U-M. What a great movie. Yeah, this was great. Thanks for picking it this week. The director made Jaws, too. That's cool. What a hack. It'd be fun to watch this movie and or like the Santa Claus movies and then the Superman movies and like do compa- side by sides. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That'd be a good way to spend your time. Spend my last like... like two weeks before the baby comes doing that. Really detailed side by side comparison. Yeah, and you like send it to the Criterion Collection. They're just like, "Why did you send this to us?" Yeah, they have me arrested. You're like, I'm trying to get a book published about the similarities of Santa Claus the movie, yeah, Superman. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>